We were designed for deep and intimate connection, but far too often we find ourselves on relational autopilot. You want the marriage you dreamed of, not the marriage that you're settling for. Each week we share personal and professional stories, giving you tools and guidance, empowering you to restore and reimagine the marriage you always wanted. Welcome to the Thrive Marriage Podcast. So this month we're in a series on transitions and kicked it off with a snippet of an interview with David Robbins, who is the president of Family Life, which is a ministry of crew. And you and Tracy kind of talked through a little bit of his story of transitioning and he's transitioned many times and uh, so have we. I don't know how many times we've transitioned is normal for a, a couple these days or not, but but it has been a lot. And when I think about the importance of, of grieving places and um, experiences that I had uniquely and you had uniquely in those places and being able to, to go back and, and really name um, where, what we miss and where we were, like who we were in those places. That's what I really think of mm-hmm. is not so much the, like the actual physicality of the apartment building or the house or the playground. Um, although those hold memories for sure. But I think so much more than that is who was I mm-hmm. when I was at that playground every day? Mm-hmm. And who did I become mm-hmm. during our time there? And what sorts of kind of agreements and conclusions did I come to about who I would be that now, years later, decades later, whenever I'm visiting or returning to those places, what is it that I'm really marking? Yeah. Yeah. Just last weekend, you took our youngest daughter to Seattle. Uh, we currently live in Colorado and you went to Seattle and some of it was just to, you know, have something to do with her and get out of town. But you guys returned to the neighborhood, which was her first American home because mm-hmm. she lived overseas right. with us. And we came back and that was her first home. And she only lived there until she was four. So her memories are pretty scarce. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something about the place. There is something about going back. There is something about grieving the stories that were harmful, grieving the stories that now um, won't be in that place any longer, right? You're not on the playground there anymore. And that, that season of life is now over because she's, you know, much older. <laughs> um, but there's there's something that we did um, a couple years ago. And that was, so we lived overseas in Turkey for uh, many, many years. And it was um, important for us to go back as a family um, we, you and I had been back each separately, uh, a couple, you know, you took some kids, I took some kids at various places, but we'd never been back as a family. And there was something about going back to that place as a family in the family story and visiting, visiting those places, like you just said, but it was far less about visiting those places. And it was far more of introducing our children to the people we were. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that was probably the biggest thing. And I don't think we knew that. I think we had a, a deep sense of its importance that we would return as a family, that it was still, we were so tethered still. There were so many kind of um, still open things, boxes and feelings and wounds. Like we just knew something, something is there for us. Mm-hmm. And, but it wasn't specific. Like we didn't know clearly what would be there for us. And I think that was one of the biggest ones. Yeah, uh, just being able to take teenagers back and see us through through young adult 
eyes and look back and, and really realize, oh my gosh, you guys were badass yes. parents. Yes. And um, so that was huge, I think. And then also just me in that, I think in watching them experience us in that way, realizing the amount of, of power Mm-hmm. that I derive from that place, mm-hmm. which is probably what continued to tether me to it, mm-hmm. why I kept returning, either physically or in my mind, because I conquered a crazy city yeah. with three little kids yeah, and did life in that place. And I feel powerful because of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I would have named that prior to walking the streets again with big kids and having them reflect and even use the word, mom, you were a badass. Yeah. And realize, oh, that's what this is. And as a result of that experience, I think I finally released something from our time there that had kept me tethered for for more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, I mean, in some ways that was a transition that was really long in the making Right. Yeah. You know, I remember standing on the on a street corner and uh, in Istanbul where we lived and it's very, very busy. People everywhere, cars everywhere, noise, apartment buildings, narrow streets. And I remember standing with our whole family across the street from the very first apartment that we landed in when we were there uh, with our at that time, only one child. And um, I remember looking at the balcony with you of this it was the sixth floor apartment of a six floor building it was the very top of the building there's only stairs there's no elevator in this building and i remember like imagining you with our you know now 20 year old son when he was you know really really young One. one right and the only way to get around was with a stroller, which we looked weird because we had, we're Americans with the stroller, like that kind of thing. But there was a stroller and you carried him and the stroller and groceries up six flights of stairs, six flights of stairs to get to the, to get to our apartment. And I remember some of the entertainment that you had with him was that you would hold him and look over the balcony and count taxis mm-hmm. as they would go by. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So there's some nostalgia in that of like, oh, remember the time when he was so young and oh, remember, right? But there was something important for us in this trip to go back to actually bless that younger woman in you who did that. And I think that's what you're saying when our kids actually said, mom, dad, you guys are pretty badass, right? Like there's there's something in them that was blessing how you lived, how you survived, mm-hmm. how you made it through. And it was almost like we had to release that younger part of us who did all that well, and honor what was required of her, what was required of him mm-hmm. in those places. Right. Bless and release. Bless and release. But I think that speaks to the various transitions we go through in life, depending on our age, stage of life, you know, what our family looks like, what our marriage looks like. But transitions are the making of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that I did do that with a one-year-old made me more of who I am. And it was a reflection of who I was. And so I think being able to name transitions and what what I mean by naming is to really put words around, this is what we did. And this is who I was in that space to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And putting words around some of those major transitions in our lives 
I think shows us a little bit more about how we're wired, what our glory is. Um, some of those survival strategies that we had and employed are God's gift to us, that we made it through so many hard things, so many difficult things. And yet, I think by doing that as well, we can name, okay, here's where I probably need to let go of that survival skill. That's probably not healthy. That's probably not the best way to live now, but to be able to bless that's how I lived then. And I think that's really the beauty of kind of thinking through and identifying transitions in our lives. You know, another place that we went was a bakery. And it was a bakery just up the street from the apartment I just mentioned. And we had moved into that apartment, uh, the first place we lived, and then we transitioned to another apartment, same neighborhood. And I was, you know, we were in full-time ministry and I was out one evening with students and on the way home. And obviously this, this place of this podcast is not the place to really fully unpack all that happened. So I just want to name that before I describe what happened. Um, but as I was walking home that night, you were pregnant with our second child. Um, it was November and I was walking home and on the street, I was accosted and stabbed. Yeah, right in front of this bakery, which opened up a whole like new season of trauma and trauma recovery and who are we and what is required of us. And is this, you know, what what's happening with, is this a random attack? Is this systemic? Are there people hunting us? Like what's going on? Like there were so many things that were, that happened, but it was really important for us when we went back to Turkey to go back to that bakery. Now I've walked past that bakery since then probably over, you know, a thousand, two thousand times because it was kind of on the route in and out of our neighborhood and uh, dealt with some of the trauma. But it was important for us to go back because of what we were naming. And it was almost like we we needed to name that where evil had intended for death to occur, that God showed up and life resulted. And, you know, it wasn't just my life. Like you were pregnant with our second if that night anything had happened to me, our third child would not exist. And so we were celebrating as a family and honoring our family and all that you know was going on, what happened on that street corner. And it wasn't about the, the bakery. It was about honoring that and blessing that young man, that young woman, uh, right? And also the child who wouldn't have been in that place. Um, so we bought a piece of cake from that bakery and walked down the street to where our kids played in the in the park for years when they were little. And we sat and we had a little celebration of life. And that feels really, really important to me um, and now allows me to bless. And like you said, release, release that story into that did happen to me. And I still have a scar. And uh, that young man did well with what he had. And he survived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think whatever you call it, rituals, um, a marking, a naming, it's biblical. <laughs> yeah. um, we see that in the, the 12 stones that the mm-hmm. Israelites erect um, to, to commemorate. Um, mm-hmm. Like we see that that is a spiritual practice, the importance of marking major transitions um, and all of the different layers that they represent. Mm-hmm. And I know that, I mean, that's something that we have just continued to to reap the benefits of doing mm-hmm. in our lives and our marriage. Yeah. And I think the invitation into grief 
to grieve what happened in those places where harm happened or difficult times happened is very close to the invitation to celebration because of who we became as a result of what we lived through there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we can actually fully become those people until we honor those places and spaces and stories that happen there. Mm-hmm. They're very intertwined for yeah. sure. So transition is far more than just moving, right? <laughs> right. Transition, as you said, are kind of mile markers in our journey of where we can pause for a little while to recognize who we have been and who we are becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Marriage Podcast, where each week we're bringing you personal and professional stories to help your relationship. You can learn more about us at restorationcounselingnoco.com or find out more about the Thrive Marriage Lab membership community over in our digital laboratories, restorylabs.com. We open membership up only twice a year, so make sure you join the waitlist to be the first to know. We'll see you same time, same place next week.